Good morning. I know what you're all thinking. John, you look worse. You know, after seven and a half years, I thought it was time. The beard is gone, and it's been met with varying levels of shock and horror and amusement. People saying, are you okay? Are you going through something? My mom's first reaction was to laugh. And so um, it's, been, it's been a journey for sure this morning. But um, yeah, hey, welcome here. Welcome here. Uh, it's great to have you here on, on this beautiful summer Sunday as we continue our series called Campfire Stories, where we're looking at the parables of Jesus. And wow, there's just so much that we can, that we can learn from that there. Uh, my name is John Rabichander, as, as you may have just heard. I'm the director of youth and young adults here at Circle, and I have just the privilege and the honor of bringing a word to you this morning. And it's good to be back in Saskatoon. I just spent the last week up at Christopher Lake, up at Camp Kadish. I was their guest speaker there for, for the week, and I just had just the blessing to be able to spend time with about 130 young people, most of whom don't have a church. They don't go to church. They don't have a faith background. And I got to just come to them and, and bring them the story and the message and teach them about the way of Jesus. And so it was just an exciting and amazing opportunity. And I also clowned those kids in bump every single day. So it was, uh, it was a great, great week up at Camp Kadish. But uh, hey, let's dive into the message this morning. And as you may have just heard, we're looking at the parables, uh, the parable about, about bags of gold. Or you may have heard, another way to put it is the parable of the talents. Now before we get into it, I'd love for you to just think about something for a moment here. How often do you find yourself weighing up the blessings of someone else and silently wishing that you had what they had? How often have you found yourself in that space? Or have you ever resented someone for earning recognition or a promotion or an award? For maybe it's something that you felt you were maybe more deserving of. Yeah, I saw, I saw some hands up here for sure. I'm, I'm in that camp for sure. Or have you tried really hard at something only to fail at it? And maybe not fail once, but fail several times. You see, all of these scenarios, they can stir up these negative emotions and they can often lead us to complain about the unfairness of life. You see, we live in a world that has become so overwhelmed with the desire for more and more and more and more. And, and running parallel to that at the same time, as we acquire more, we are, we're constantly playing the comparison game with those around us. We're not a very content people these days, are we? And I'm not just talking about material things, like money. I, I think we would all be okay if we got paid a little bit more, right? I've never met anyone who said, you know what? No, nah, I'm good. I don't need that raise. I've never heard of anyone like that. But I can imagine that many of us have uttered the words, including myself, if I just had blank, you fill in the blank. If I just had more money, I could, if I just had more time, I could, if I just had a slightly bigger house or a bit of a better car, if I just had more influence, 
if I just had the same opportunities or if I just had more opportunity. You see, if you've lived any amount of life, and all of us here have and all of you online have as well, if you've lived any amount of life, you know that life isn't fair. But we live in a world that not not only demands fairness, but it groans for it. It groans for fairness. We live in a world that's become obsessed with the pursuit of more and more and more. And here's here's the incredible thing. It's humanity right now has never been more rich than we are right now, especially here in the West, especially here in Canada and in North America. We've never had more. And so even though as we have acquired more and more and more and more, we have yet to reach that all-elusive point in our lives of being content with what we have. We constantly cry out to God and we cry out to the world and we say, that's not fair. But Jesus, he knows our human flaws And so he teaches us, through the parable of the talents, how we are to handle what we perceive as unfairness. So if you have your Bibles with you, if you have the Bible on your YouVersion app, I just want to encourage you to open it up to Matthew chapter 25, and you can just follow along. I find following along in Scripture just helps us learn a little bit more and just helps it it, it stick in our minds. But here we have this parable of the Uh, of the talents. It's a very well-known parable. Now, Jesus often taught through parables because it it was a powerful way to communicate life principles. They were relatable. They were memorable. They're applicable to life today just as they were 2,000 years ago. Now, the theme of Jesus, Jesus' teaching in this section of Matthew that Dale just read earlier, it's all about Jesus' second coming. So so Jesus was here, and then he ascended into heaven. So Jesus is giving us instruction on how we're to live our lives in his absence, how to live in this period before the second coming of Jesus. You see, we're in this in-between time. When Jesus came, his primary goal, objective, wasn't wasn't to have good teaching and perform miracles. All of those were good, but they were secondary. His primary reason for coming was to inform people that the kingdom of God is here and it is also near. And if that sounds confusing to you, it's because it is. But the kingdom of God is here in bits and pieces when Jesus first came. And it will continue to spread all over the world and it will come to fruition when Jesus comes again. So we're in this in-between time. Now Jesus said, like Dale just read in our scripture there, that the kingdom of God is like a man who goes away on an extended journey. He tells us about this master or, or, or business owner who wants to get some stuff in order because he's going to be gone for some time, an indefinite amount of time. So before he leaves, he calls three of his most trusted servants and he gives them the responsibility of managing his financial affairs. So each servant is given a gift according to their abilities. And I want us to pay attention to that word, that they were given a gift according to their abilities. It's an interesting word and it's an interesting phrase. You see, an ability, it's something that's within our grasp. It's something that's within our 
reach. It's something that we can achieve, and it's something that we can accomplish. To one servant, he gave five talents or five bags of gold. To another servant, he gave two talents. And to another, he gave one talent. Now, what were these talents? See, it's not referring to the talent that we might think of in the English language, but that's actually where, where we get the word talent from. The use of the word talent to mean, you know, gifts or skill as we understand it in English and in other languages, it actually originated from an interpretation of this parable sometime in the late 13th century. But a talent is a measurement of weight. That is what a talent is. It was a number on a scale. So for example, if you had a talent of copper, or if you had a talent of silver or gold, they would all have different values according to their weight. Now, because talents are measurements of, of weight, you know, scholars, they have all sorts of different opinions and ideas of what the actual value of a talent. Some might say it's around $300,000. Others would say it's upwards of millions of dollars. But regardless of the exact dollar amount, because that's not the point, the point being made is that the master has made a huge investment. The master has made a sizable investment. You see, when Jesus told this parable, there would have been a shock value associated with, with, these, with these numbers. Because for some people listening to this parable as Jesus is saying this, that would be equivalent to about 75 years of work or more. So the shock value is intended to compel us and to compel the listener of this, of this parable to think about the generosity of God, that all of the goodness that God has given us. And so we learn from this parable that the master entrusted according to the servant's abilities. So in verse 15, it says, to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. And then he went away. Now we can read this, and, and I think we can relate to this because sometimes we can look at ourselves and we're maybe remorseful at times because of maybe some of our own life circumstances. See, our lives, my life, is paved with these if-onlys, right? If only I had this, if only I had that. Life seems unfair when we start making comparisons. If only I had been given five talents, oh, imagine what I could do. Wait, he got two? That doesn't seem right. Wait, five talents? Whoa, that, that's not fair. Scott Rigby, I want to tell you a story about Scott. At the age of 18, he was involved in a terrible truck accident, and he had to have both of his legs amputated. He didn't sign up for that. No one does. And for a little while, his life spiraled downwards. But one day, he had a wake-up call. He said, wait a minute. I, I can't spend the rest of my life making excuses and placing blame. I can't spend the rest of my life looking at what everybody else has and can do. And so Scott 
got busy. And he started taking care of himself physically. In 2007, he was the first double amputee using prosthetics to cross the finish line of the Ford Ironman World Championship. But that's not all he did. See, Scott, he chose to leverage his story for the sake of other people. And he now spends time working with war veterans who have lost limbs and are dealing with the transition back into civilian life. Man, that's pretty amazing. See, when you hear a story like, like Scott's, it always makes me think about my own excuses. What is my excuse? See, at the end of the day, it's not the amount that you have been given. Let's face it, none of us would complain if we got either $1 million or $3 million. The issue isn't gifting or fairness, but it's about stewardship. It's about taking responsibility for your life for what you have been given. And that's the actual focus of this parable. It has nothing to do with fairness at all. You see, these servants were given different talents, but they were given equal opportunities. See, Paul tells us in his letter to the church in Ephesus, in the book of Ephesians, he says that when Jesus ascended into heaven, he gave gifts to people. He gave gifts to people. He trusted his disciples and he trusted his future followers to continue what he did here on earth. You see, God has given us all something to manage, such as time and, and money and gifts and opportunities. Here's the thing. None of you, none of us are empty-handed. Don't ever think that you have nothing to offer or nothing to contribute. You are not empty-handed. And when we embrace and when we accept the gifts that we have been given, what we're actually saying is that we can be trusted. Now, the next part when it comes to stewardship and responsibility is actually doing it yourself. You see, an important part of the story that we can, I think, sometimes easily miss, we can just sort of gloss over because we don't really see the significance of it in the moment, is that the master leaves. The master goes away. You see, these servants would have never learned to be stewards if that master stayed, right? And there's an important principle here of absence and entrustment and how those two things go together. You see, once the master has given the talent, we're told that, that he leaves on his journey because leaving speaks of total trust on behalf of the master. Show of hands, how many of you here have, have kids, have children? They might be old now, they might be young. Yeah, see some hands around. Maybe you remember the first time that you left your child with a babysitter. Can you think of that time? You felt that you're giving away the most valuable thing in your life. But in order for trust to be present, you had to leave. Now, you may have drove around the block a few times. You may have texted the sitter all night. But you still had to leave. And when you left, you gave the sitter complete 
responsibility. And in good faith, you're expecting them to take care of your child as you would yourself. See, absence is the proof of entrustment. And it's incredible how God has entrusted us. He's entrusted you and he's, he's entrusted me with his grace, with his gifts, with the good things that we have. And we are to steward, we are to take responsibility over those things. And the requirement of a steward, this is the requirement of being a good steward, is to be faithful. That's the requirement. Have you ever thought about this? What has held you back from taking a step of faith? What's held you back from taking a step of faith? Or maybe to phrase it a little bit differently, what's, what's held you back from taking a risk? See, what often keeps us from taking risks is fear. It's fear. You see, we tend to live our lives with sort of these safety zones around us. And it's not a bad thing because there are real dangers, there are real problems in this world, but we have these safety zones around us. And those zones are fenced in, I think, often by fear. We fear that we, we don't have permission. We fear that we're ignorant. We fear that we're maybe incompetent. We fear, we fear that we don't have what it takes. We fear that we have too much to lose. We fear that we can't afford the cost. We fear that we might fail. But you see, Jesus, in this parable, <laughs> he teaches us the opposite. That good stewards, good stewards are not limited by fear and unbelief, but rather Jesus gives us permission to take risks, and he gives us permission to fail. See, Jesus tells us what happens in his absence, that faith, that faith is a requirement. Faith is needed. In verse 16, here in Matthew chapter 25, it says, the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off. And I want you to pay attention to that because we'll come back to that in just a moment. He went off. He dug a hole in the ground and he hid his master's money. You see, right off the bat, we, we learn that the two servants are risk takers. They're risk takers. They are investors. They actively looked for opportunities to invest the master's Money. The two servants, they go off and they immediately put his talent to good use. And apparently, well, the risk pays off because we're told that that investment doubles. That's a pretty good return. That's not my, how my bank account is looking at the moment right now. You see, these servants, they, they would have known, there would have been, an, an, probably in their mind, they would have known that there was risk associated with investment. But they also knew that they had to make use of the opportunities that they had. William Wilberforce is a, is a British politician. Uh, he was a philanthropist, and he was the leader of, of the movement to abolish the slave trade. And he talks about the relationship between 
opportunities and responsibility. And he says this. This is just stuck with me. Great indeed are our opportunities, but greater is our responsibility. Great also is our responsibility. See, here's the thing about opportunities. I'm sure we all know this because we've lived life. We can say yes, and we can walk through the door of opportunity, or we can move on. You see, both action and inaction is a decision when it comes to opportunities. You see, the master could have put all of his money in the bank, and he, and he could have earned interest like we read, but he had faith in the abilities of his servants. And here's the thing, God has done the same with you. He has talented you. He has gifted you, and he has empowered you to manage a portion of what is his here on earth. Now, if you're here this morning, or maybe you're online, and maybe you wouldn't consider yourself a follower of Jesus, can I just say, we're glad that you're here. You, you will always have a space here. You can belong here, even if you don't maybe believe what I believe. But if you're not a follower of Jesus, you could say that, hey, I am my own. I can do what I want to do. It's nobody else's business what I do. And that's, that's actually valid if that's your worldview, but that's not what Jesus has to say about how to live a purposeful life. That's not what Jesus says. You see, God owns us, and he owns everything else on earth, even our talents. You see, the good and faithful servants in this parable, they made a couple of assumptions. The first assumption they made is that the master wanted them to use the talents. The gifts that were given with the expectation of a return on the investment. It was the belief that with stewardship comes the responsibility of increasing and making the most of what had been given. And the second assumption that they made is that the master is okay with taking risks. So what do we mean by risk? You see, the Oxford Dictionary defines risk as being exposed to danger, the possibility that something maybe unpleasant might happen. And here's the beautiful thing. Throughout this wonderful story that we call Scripture that points towards Jesus, we find the connection between faith and we find the connection between risks. You see, Abraham... He risked everything to leave a familiar land and by faith step into the promised land. Gideon took a risk when he took on the powerful Midianite army with just 300 men. David took a risk when he faced the Philistine giant Goliath. And Luke tells us in the book of Acts that Paul and Barnabas risked their lives to tell people about the way and the life of Jesus. You see, the Bible is full of stories of men and women who stepped out in faith and took a risk. And in this parable, the master was willing to risk his fortunes in order to get a better return. 
Now, in contrast to the two faithful servants is a servant who buried his talent. And we're told that the man who had received one bag, he went off. He dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. Now, we're going to come back to that phrase, went off, right here. You see, went off means to travel in the exact opposite direction. I think that phrase is very intentional. Instead of investing the master's money, he did the exact opposite. He dug a hole in the ground, and he buried the money in it. Now, before we get too hard on the servant, because I think it's easy for us to do, we can sort of just get very hard on the servant and be like, why would you do that? Why would you do that? We need to know this practice of burying treasure was actually quite common in that day. That's something that people would do. They would bury their fortunes for safekeeping. And so for some who were listening to this parable, as Jesus is is telling it, it would be considered acceptable and, and maybe even the safer option, probably maybe the responsible thing to do, but not according to Jesus. And so what do we learn from this servant's actions? You see, there were also a couple of assumptions that this servant makes as well. You see, he makes the assumption that the master has no expectation of a return on his investment. You see, the servant, he's satisfied with returning the investment just simply intact to his master. And the second assumption that he makes is that stewardship means holding on to what he had. You see, success for this servant and can I say maybe for some of us as well, is maybe defined as holding on, safeguarding what you have and not taking risks. But here's the problem. The problem is that we don't associate responsibility with taking risks. We could probably say that the one talented servant is the responsible one, that he is the one who was protecting what belongs to his master. Francis Chan is an author. He's a teacher and he's a pastor. Some of you might might recognize his name. But he challenges Christians to take a moment to consider the brevity of life. You see, he describes human life as a vapor. A A vapor is basically a puff of wind. It's a mere breath. It's something that you can't really get your your hand on. It's probably the nearest thing to zero. And what Francis is saying is that he's telling us that we should start living for eternity right now, not wasting a moment of time. And this is what Jesus teaches us in this parable of the talents, how to live in the kingdom of God, not eventually, but right now. Later on in verse 19, we're told that after some time, the master returns from his journey. And this is probably the most important verse in this parable. You see, if the master never came back, there would never be any accountability for what has been given. The master's interested in how the servants had handled 
his investment. And we learn that the servant with the five talents and the servant with the two talents had doubled their initial investment. And so the master is well pleased, not just because of the outcome, but because they had been faithful stewards. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy, enter into the happiness of the master. And then the servant with one talent steps forward. And this is where we learn that Jesus' approach to the gifts and his grace is to either use it or lose it. See, God expects that his followers will trust him and walk in faith and risk and opportunities. You see, the man with one talent, he returns with the one talent that he had been given. And what surprises us here is that Jesus tells this servant that his failure to risk is actually a sin. And we can read the rest of this parable and we can think that the punishment for the one-talent servant is extreme, but there's a principle there. You see, one day, you and I will have to give an account for our life. And it can be an awesome thing, as depicted by the first two servants in this parable. Or it can be yet another instance of excuse and blame. What will your account be? You see, each of us have been invited to live a life of responsibility. We have. That means looking at all we have been given, our finances, our relationships, our influence, our possessions, and our abilities and our talents to look at all of the good that is in our life that we have been trusted with and learning to walk by faith with it all. See, what I love about this story of life that, that each of us are on is when we look back on our story, and I encourage you to do that if you haven't, because looking back on our story sees where we've come from, and it better gives us an idea of where we're headed. But when we look back on our story, we can often see how God is so faithful. Not that everything has been perfect. See, God, don't make a mistake there. God never promised that anything would be perfect. That's a lie. But we can see how God has shown up and moved and worked in spite of the ups and downs and the bumps and bruises of this thing called life. And when you look back on your life, I think that you'll be able to see that the majority of your successes came from not waiting, not from idling, not by burying what you had in the ground, but the times that you were willing to take a chance and step out. You see, we all have opportunities. We all do. But we have uneven, unfair amounts of opportunity. Are you going to be a person who says, I'm taking responsibility of my life, really? Meaning, 
am I going to be an individual who takes responsibility for the opportunities that come my way, really? I'm, I'm not going to take them for granted, and I'm not going to make excuses, and I'm not going to compare myself to others around me. I am going to use the things that God has given me. My money, my possessions, my time, my talents, my abilities. And here's something that's really popular today, right? Because we all want to be influencers in this Instagram, TikTok generation. But yes, I'm going to use my influence that God has given me and step out in faith and do what I can with what I have been given. See, some of us are sleeping on the talents that God has given us. Are you sleeping on yours? You see, man, some of you here today, some of you online, you are a five-talent kind of person. You've been abundantly blessed in life. Here's what you can do. Be grateful for all that you have and never take it for granted. And your responsibility is to bless others with your abundance. Be a radical of generosity. Now, some of you might be here and you're a two-talent person and you have some riches and you have some blessings in your life. Continue to be generous with what you have. Continue to work hard and eliminate the comparison game that's consumed our world. And there are some that are one-talent people. And we have a little. I believe what God is also reminding us in this parable is to never allow our circumstances to deprive us of doing the best that we can with what we have. Just like Scott Rigby. Never make excuses because you feel that life has been unfair to you. Because it probably has. Remember, it's not about fairness. It's about responsibility. Everything in life is fair or unfair to someone. But Jesus' point in telling this parable is that we are to accept what is in life. And if our portion seems unfair, then we are to learn how to leverage the situation. God is not going to fix or take away the unfairness in our lives. He's not going to because he expects us to make the most of whatever our situation may be regardless of how great or lacking it might be. So the bottom line this morning is simply this. To whom something is given, regardless of how great or small, something is required. And it's when we embrace that and embrace it through the lens of a God who loves us, through the lens of a God who showed the ultimate generosity in sending his son Jesus to die on a cross for each of us. And so when we embrace it through that lens, 
that we begin to be serious about taking full responsibility for our lives. What will be your account? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. God, thank you for your generosity. Thank you for Jesus. There's no way that we can pay you back for what Jesus did for us. And so we just want to sit in your presence and just say thank you. Thank you for your son. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for grace and forgiveness. And thank you for the promises that you have made to us. And God, thank you for what you have given to us. Thank you for what you have entrusted us with, God. Father, I pray that as we leave this space, as Monday comes, that we would be reminded to take full responsibility for our lives, to take full responsibility of the opportunities that you give us, of the gifts, the talents, the resources, the skills, and abilities that you have trusted us with. God, would you grant us opportunities to multiply what you have given us, not for our glory, but for your glory. Father, would you be with us as we head into this week? Would we feel your love and your presence and your peace as we go, whether we are five-talent people, whether we are two-talent people, or whether we are one-talent people. God, we love you. We trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.